Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Examination Podcast. They say Don only comes once each day, but we're treated with two issues from Don of X this week. First up, we have New Mutants, number one, written by Ed Bryson and Jonathan Hickman with the art of Rod Reese. Then we have X-Force, number one, by Benjamin Percy and featuring the art of Joshua Kassara. To discuss these issues um, and all things Marvel, I'm Quentin Emler, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dane Rainier. Hey, guys. And Kelsey Strutt. Hello. Well, we got two big issues to discuss this week. First, let's fix the broken shelves, Cerebro, and learn what's new in the world of Marvel. Uh, my favorite piece of news this week, because no one was hurt, so it's not that controversial, a bomb was discovered on the set of the new movie Eternals that Marvel's making. Uh, a report said that Richard Madden and Angelina Jolie had to be evacuated from the set. What did you guys think of this news story? Does anybody know any details about it? I hadn't heard anything about it until we started like just bringing it up for the podcast. That's... I mean, like, do they know anything about it? Like, why it was there? Or if it was, like, was it something somebody planted? No. So, apparently it's been there since World War II. Okay. And nobody's seen it. So, they shot at this World War II castle, apparently. Like, I don't know what the plot is, but a World War II castle, era castle is involved. And apparently the Nazis at some point set up a bomb in there. And it's just never gone off. So, like, has this castle just been sitting there idle with nobody in it, like, to discover that there was a bomb? I'm pretty sure people have used it. They just, nobody's noticed the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's not as obvious, like, because in my head, it's a large, like, black sphere with a wick sticking out of it that you know that says bob on the side or <laughs> like, has like a, a mario kart style kind of right. like like there's a nice there's a, a strip of like a sheen of light on the side of it because somebody's been polishing it because you know that's what a cartoon <laughs> bomb looks like like you think so, they would have noticed the ticking sound it's been making all or, these moves. Yeah. <laughs> or a bunch of sticks of dynamite with a <laughs> right. timer on it or it's just a claymore that says you know point this direction well, it'd be in German, but yeah. Well, thank you. It could have been, could have been ours. Pointing so. these this way. Yeah. What uh? What other risky sets would you guys like to see Marvel shoot at besides World space. War Two era castles? Space. What if they shot in space? Like the yep. first full feature shot yep. in space. That'd be pretty cool. You want to take... go risky? No risk it, no biscuit. <laughs> Fantastic you. Four. Fantastic Four shoot. Actually, have them go up in a SpaceX shuttle, mm-hmm. and, and then bombard them with solar rays or whatever it was they got hit with. <laughs> got to be movie accurate. That's method acting, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Scorsese wants them to actually act instead of using CGI. So that's right. That's that right. no more. No more will we be a cheap amusement park. We are going method acting the whole way. Got to bombard me with them sweet cosmic rays for well, the next the- Hulk movie. He will actually be bathed in gamma radiation. Hey, hey, we know that doesn't work. You were in Mr. Joseph's science class. Well, I mean, if he had his sex cells removed, correct, and then was correct. irradiated, then placed back in, there's a chance, very a minimally, chance his kids could be a Hulk. Is it bad that that's like the only thing I remember from high school science? Was distracting the teacher so that you didn't have to keep yeah. listening to a lecture yeah. with. Marvel trivia on how you would create a superhero. Correct. That is absolutely right. We we got him off topic. 
as to how to make a Hulk. And that took like 40 minutes and then class was over. It did. And I don't remember, I don't remember anything else about the high school biology, but I know the one infinitesimally small percentage chance way to make a Hulk. Yep. Yeah. Which involves correct, like correct, remove the sex cells and slam them with gator radiation and then put it back in the host. And then their offspring might be the Hulk. Correct. Correct. Yes. You can't, you can't tamper with the sex cells with the gamma radiation. It just won't work. It'll it'll mess everything up too much or something. I don't know. It I wasn't paying attention to that. Part. It would kill the it kill the host of the sex cells, right? So I you mean, have to re- it's probably remove them no matter what. Like that's that's like the most likely outcome is they just dang die. it, Dane. For science, we have to make the we have to attempt it. We gotta try. We gotta try. True. Um, also, in the Marvel movie news, we got a uh, Japanese Spider Man confirmed for Into the Spider Verse two. So get excited. I don't, I don't know what that is. It's the Spider-Man that had like the iron gauntlets and he in the 60s or was it 70s and he had a like a traditional Voltron style uh Zord. <laughs> yep, don't know that one. That's kind of an interesting choice given that they already had um oh, I can't think of her name. Uh the I know which one you're talking about. Oh, oh, Penny, Penny Parker? Yeah. Yeah. They're like not, not to say they're the same by any means, but that's... I wonder which one of us has a kid that likes the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> right, that's no. watched it two dozen times. Yeah, no, I've, I'm I'm quite aware of the Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so P- Penny Parker, yeah, very similar. But I, I'm almost wondering if this next one they're really just going to go over the top and just have hundreds, like or like you know, like dozens and dozens yeah. of Spider-Man. Um, yeah, maybe twenty ninety nine. A Twitter. What it came about because a Twitter. Uh, somebody on Twitter said, "Please put this Spider Man in there." And they're like, "We have artwork for him done. Like we we've already like started working on that. Right, made decision to do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it, it wasn't it, like a big thing. But. It'll be interesting to see how many different Spider Men. A for me, like how many there even are, because I'm not particularly well versed and well versed huh, in the Spider Verse. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it will be interesting to see how many of those they use. Yeah. Um, bring it back over to Exxon, which you've been focusing on here for the last uh, few months here. Um, nine different Dawn of X titles now. We got two more added to the list. We knew Wolverine was coming from, I believe, New York Comic Con. But uh, in London a few weeks ago, they brought up two new issues. One being like a more of a mini series with... Uh, x-men fantastic four crossover and then the final one being a giant size x-men have you guys kept up with this news and uh either of these sound interesting to you specifically i have not kept up with them i'm interested in the uh, fantastic four one just to see what they're going to do i don't know if it'll amount to much but it might be building for something later it might be attempting to set up something in the broader marvel universe giant size x-men i think will just i don't know it Maybe a cap off or something of what's going on. It seems like it doesn't have a voice outside of the core X-Men issue because the X-Men seem to be one shots that kind of like go, you know, kind of represent all of Mutantdom and Krakoa. So it's like, what I wonder what the um, the voice of Giant Size X-Men is going to be outside of rotating artists. Yeah, I don't know what the plan is for that one. I don't have a lot of details on that one. The The X-Men Fantastic Four, though, I do think is interesting Number one, I mean, I think it could be interesting either way, but the fact that they took the time to set up Franklin Richards as a piece of 
this whole new X-Men moving forward really, really early on. I think in the first issue of House of X, Franklin was kind of teased, uh, both as the in the Omega Mutant memo and and that scene with Cyclops and the Fantastic Four. Like they made a a very conscious choice to to do that. So I, I think it's obvious they've got a plan for that part of the story. I think the, uh, there's a few ways they could have done that. One Hickman's famous first really big uh, Marvel franchise was fantastic four in which Franklin was a huge character. And two, um, it could have been a way of just modernizing and showing that this is right now in the MCU. I mean, it was definitely the relaunch fantastic four after the whole Fox purchase. And they finally kind of relaunched them officially. And, and I, I think for me, whether this will be good or not is how self-contained it is. If it's just a like self-contained story and it ends with Franklin Richards sleeping in his I'm his own bed, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. Like, bring him the Kokoa. Make him a, get us like the most powerful mutant in the world. Yeah. That'd be a huge win for our guys. That would be cool. It's kind of weird because we're at a point where the X-Men are winning more than they ever have. And so in some ways it's like you don't want them to just keep keep winning. But that's one of the Oh, overstep. That would feel like overstep. That would feel like a big a big change though. You're right. To have him leave the fantastic four and join the x-men that would be a cool a a cool puzzle piece to play with oh man can you imagine i mean i think that well that's what i'm talking about like (laughs) overstep lean into that that lead you have right now (laughs) they keep winning Um, so much winning personally i gotta say did you guys see the cover of giant size x-men number one nope no what is it is it giant uh uh, it's jean gray in her x-men red uniform Oh, I have seen this. Yeah, with Emma Frost. Yes. So I think it's a bunch. I'm not sure if every issue is going to be a two characters together focus kind of thing. Um, definitely not the original Giant Size X-Men where they brought in this whole new team. It seems like the purpose of this kind of reminds me of A plus X. I don't know if you remember that kind of thing they did after AVX where it was like where they put an Avenger and an X-Men together for one issue. I do remember that. Except for clearly this is just two X-Men. So the first one's Jean Grey and Emma. I'm not sure if it is, um, they're going to be a part of it forever. Or if it's going to be a rotating cast of two, that wasn't Jean Re- X-Men red Jean wasn't green. Was she? No, no. So it's definitely the design Perfect. of the X-Men red with the, the blue, the green and yellow color scheme, but that doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. I think that look just doesn't feel as silly as going in a, you know, like a pencil skirt to battle it a pencil skirt. Oh, sorry. For a, man, for a man who loves costumes, your fashion nomenclature. No, um, but it, it is it is a good outfit because it kind of has reminiscence of like the '90s one with the sort of wraparound head framed part of thing, the suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's still it's still kind of classic superhero-y, but also somehow more updated. Maybe it's kind of the angularness of the. The design, it feels practical without, yeah, yeah and, without a. And I was going to say honestly, I like of that cover. I like the Emma uh, uniform too. I do too because it's not like that costume. It's like it it tells you everything you need Emma to be, but it's not like some of those outrageously like mid and late two thousands where you know what I mean, where she's just literally wearing like a strip of fabric in the shape of an X. Like yeah, and, and Emma not being an armor doesn't bother me because she can turn into diamond. Right. So like, she doesn't really need it. Right. But like, I don't know. But Jean's such a target. Yeah. It's just 
Emma's is just, it's very fashion forward. It has that, co- you know, it still has the collar and the, the ruffles and it, you know, it's still Emma. It's, it's very cleavage, but it's, it's not, well, it's mean, not as bad as some of the other ones. It's, it's still, you know, Marvel or really any comic book heroine or yeah. villainous. But that you look at that, and if you didn't know anything, I think you know you you have a decent idea of who Emma is. Yes, it does convey her attitude. Yeah, um, definitely excited about the future. But now it's time to think about this week's issues in lieu of uh, Watu the Watcher, and in lieu of a longer recap. We decided having two issues this week would be a good opportunity to do a shorter recap and have more time to talk about both of the issues this week. And we also have something extra special planned for you for the day. Extra. So (laughs) without any further delays, it's time to hop aboard our Star Jammer ship and head in the Shi'ar space as we recap this week's issues from Dawn of X, New Mutants, and X-Force. As always, guys, spoilers ahead. And like Quentin told you, these are going to be kind of the the quick highlights and less of a panel by panel. So in New Mutants this week, we find out that Rain Sinclair, or Wolfsbane, as she's known, is back. Uh, we have kind of the scene where we find out Krakoa can possess people, but doesn't really like to do it. Uh, we see the what's being called the sextant, which looks like sort of a... a colony on Krakoa with some of our younger new mutants, new X-Men characters uh, either being featured or in the background of things. And then we find out the new mutants after, you know, rebonding and coming back together, decide they have to get cannonball back, but they've got to go to space to do it, which means they need some space fare, which means they got to go with the star jammers into space. Uh, and ultimately what the, the story and the adventure really gets going when we find out that Corsair has lied to them about why they're at a space station, uh, because of course that's what pirates do. They lie. And then he ditches the new mutants and leaves them to fend for themselves against the Shi'ar. And the, the issue closes off with the, uh, the new mutants needing themselves a space lawyer. The <laughs> memos from that include the benevolence station that they were present at. Now, shifting over to X-Force, we start out right out out in the action. Domino is in a meeting of some kind of uh, anti-mutant, pro-human agenda, and she gets caught, and there's a big fight scene, action scene. We find out that Black Tom Cassidy is using his powers to kind of communicate with nature on Krakoa to work as a, a rural security system on the island. Colossus has been working in Russia in order to get mutants out, and Kate Pride and the Marauders come back from Russia. And the big action towards the end is that there's a strike team that jumps in from a plane uh, after hijacking it and attacks Krakoa in an assassination attempt, and it looks like they got their target, shooting and killing Xavier. But we're kind of left as to you know what that means now that we're in a world with uh, X-Men that can be resurrected at will. And our memos from X-Force come uh, as the Krakoa security features, as well as Krakoa's official and unofficial response to non-treaty nations. Uh, I I want to jump right in. Which comic did you like the best? I know we don't like to compare like that, but Kelsey, which one stood out to you as the stronger of the two? You know, at first, I really liked X-Force more. 
But as I've been thinking about it, I think they're just opposite sides of the same coin. One's a little more lighthearted. One is like a lighthearted version of the other. Um, the the New Mutants one, you know, it comes across as, as just not being necessary a lot. I mean, they have the time to go for this interstellar jaunt just to go get Cannonball because <laughs> they just want the group to get the band back together. Um, but it still ends up being kind of a fun little setup, especially like Dane was mentioning the space lawyer that they need to get. And to me, it's a respite, especially after you read X-Force, which is much more intense, much more dark, much more cloak and dagger. It's as if it's X-Men written by Tom Clancy. (laughs) I like that. Um, Yeah. I, I love New Mutants first. I know you, everything you were saying was like unnecessary about it was like, this is this is what I wanted. <laughs> but then again, you know, Marauders was kind of unnecessary in, in a way. And watch what you say, watch what you say about Marauders. But, but it could craft its own story. And hopefully New Mutants is able to do that, too. Like it, it can almost craft a story away from the general storyline of what's going on. Marauders is going to have more effect, I think, on the general X-Men stuff. I yeah. don't think New Mutants will um, by I any means. Of the six that we were kind of previewed while we were still in Hoxpox, I think New Mutants looks like the one that's going to tie in the least to like the primary yeah. story. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it sounds yeah. like we're going to have five stories that really do mesh you know we haven't seen fallen angels yet but i mean at least four maybe five stories that really mesh in to the core central storyline and i think it's okay if the new mutants don't do that because it knows what it is it it started out just being this fun you know experience and yeah it's it's the the younger x-men going into space it's partially a great space adventure yeah and it's it's you know it's kind of cliche in some ways but i don't care it's it's cliche in a fun way and with these characters getting to experience it, you know, especially with Corsair and the star jammers kind of in the the background of this, it's just, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. X X X-Men one definitely tied in with new mutants and, and this one, Hickman's presence of writing X-Men one right before this almost feels like really natural at this is like immediately what happened following that. Yeah, it was true. It was reading it. It was kind of interesting because I, I, I try and take notes while I'm reading about stuff that I want to talk about or bring up. And at one point I just wrote the note like this feels really fun. And like I literally the next page it comes up and, and Mirage says it where she's like, this has been fun. And it was just like that just really at the exact moment encapsulated what I wanted out of it. And it kind of made me this is just, this is my favorite part of X-Men stories when you see the characters not fighting, but just interacting with each other, sharing that history. Sometimes it's goofy and quirky. And it honestly, reading this makes me wish I was a bigger fan of the New Mutants, that I came in with more of a background and understanding. Because it was fun being somebody who doesn't really know a lot about them. And I just know how much yeah. more it would have meant if I was somebody who, like, this was my big thing. Other, other than well, Notably, in problem. Hickman's run of Avengers, he made Sunspot and Cannonball two of the guys when it came to his Avengers yeah. run. And Sunspot has a drinking problem. We also established that. As <laughs> yeah. a bottle of bourbon. I did, I did notice that it was like full empty. 
Like, my goodness. <laughs> that boy. Um, I, I thought the issues both did a good job of like at least using um, this Don of X as a launching point and felt very Krakoa. And, and yeah, New Mutant seems like it's going to go in another direction. X-Force seems like it's going to be about protecting this island um, and what all things go in with that. Uh, both issues pretty good, but let's go ahead and start, I think, with X-Force, just because that's kind of fresh on your mind off the recap. Um, Black Tom Cassidy, I didn't realize just how heavily influenced his powers had with plants. Like I knew he shot energy beams, but uh, he seems like he's going to be a real powerful asset for Kakoa. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's almost, he's not quite ciphering that he can't directly speak with Krakoa, but he can interpret Krakoa kind of like, like almost em- like an empath with it. The whole idea yeah. of saying, you know, he's got a gut feeling about certain things where, you know, where they're like, oh, that's just Domino coming in. It could be a Zeppelin. He's just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, doesn't feel right. Nope. I got worms in my stomach about this. Nope. And it, it, I, I also, the part where they realize there's trouble and Black Tom Cassie almost takes control of the entire situation, kind of saying it's like telling Professor X, like, nope. You know, I'm basically your secret service right now. Yeah. I'm now in charge. I, I have now, I will now supplant you as making decisions. It felt interesting because like we, we saw kind of the hierarchy of leadership on the island and we got it in some of, you know, the memos before, but it, it he almost seemed like one of those, the field captains, whatever, I can't remember what they called them specifically. You know what I mean? Where it's like, if you're on the island and this hits the fan, like, then the you know your security team is in charge and that was sort of what we saw in the first x-men that it was like cyclops isn't on the council but they're in the field so he's in charge and so it's the same sort of thing like xavier is your you know your king on the chessboard but it was still like if something goes wrong in this situation you defer to the guy who knows what's up and in this instance it's black tom cassidy i um i agree with that and it, it felt kind of cool and it made it seem like when you saw his power set it really like brought out like why so much faith is being put in this guy and defending this island like he is the island to a degree and and the whole thing becomes a weapon in his hands. i like seeing this the kind of the behind the scenes how stuff works like the sort of the ops teams you know that you have cypher and forge and that sage is a big part of you know the team that kind of makes everything work that they're these these X-Men that aren't going to be, you know, you're in the field action heroes, but they're a big part of why Krakoa, you know, because you have to have this kind of system in place to to create a country. Yeah, the guy in yeah, the chair. You have to have that infrastructure. And I think it's neat that we get to see that because this is something they could have just totally done in the background. But instead, they've made, you know, Tom Cassidy a cool character. And I hope that sticks around. I hope this doesn't just turn into okay, now they go back to being plot devices because it's, it's it's neat to see that. That's something that you don't see a lot, getting that kind of focus on those kind of characters in comics. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I enjoyed the the new approaches that they're using with, with a lot of these characters or the application of their powers in regards to actually running basically their own country. You know, it's not just, I'm going to use my powers to rob a bank. I'm going to, you know, apply it to the, they're able to apply it to the actual system of governance and security and 
I mean, obviously they don't need to worry about growing food. The whole place does that, but. Well, but they kind of do because like they didn't have coffee before. Remember that was a thing and it came up in the new mutants. Like somebody had to sort of figure out a way to work with Krakoa. Oh, to, to sort of get something that, that is similar. Right. Coffee. Yes. And they have guys, it's really hard to not go off on a tangent about Marauders right now <laughs> and be like, and that's why we need a black market. Cause it's naturally. No, gonna you're come right. Up. You're right. <laughs> you, you thought this was a new mutants X-Force episode. It's actually Marauders 1.5. I mean, they do mention that they can't they can't make booze, so right. Yeah. Or potato chips. Um, it's neat because it's stuff like Cipher is that kind of character where like his power is obviously it's it doesn't lend itself to being cool on the paper, and like eventually somebody who writes him had to write that he can understand the language of martial arts, and that's why like he can learn to fight. And it's like you don't have to do that with characters if you if you have no. good writing, you can show their powers. And especially now with the whole Krakoa storyline in a cool, practical, you know, applicable way. And he's a fun character right now that he's really the only one that can communicate that we had that scene with him where, you know, he knows there's something that Krakoa doesn't like, you know, his ability to like go into people and possess them and, and speak. But like, he's the only one that knows that, like, he's kind of a, a pivotal point to the operations of Krakoa. Um, you don't realize just how like susceptible they are to attack until it, it happens. And Black Tom Cassidy's there and they've got this defense, but the guys that guy's really gonna drop on him. Was anybody else kind of shocked about like just how defenseless they seemed? Uh well I think it would just exposed uh weakness in their system. Um I do kind of wonder the limits of Xavier's powers. Well, you know, how how much of a reach does he have with Cerebro to know what's going on? Um, you know, they, 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 they the enemies bring up because, oh, who are they? The Reavers? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. They, I kind of got a Weapon X vibe from their headgear, and I'm like, that can't be right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's been revealed who it is. I think that's kind of um, part of the mystery. But they, uh, the, the whole. Uh, when they bring up the statements, like, did you not think we wouldn't do anything. You didn't think we would strike back for what you're doing here. I mean, one, either a one, either a, but (laughs) either professor X was naive and didn't think there would be ramifications to his actions, especially as grand as the actions are, or B he does know, or he did know, you know, and obviously this is some longer plot, perhaps even forcing the hands of his protégés to strike out against more enemies. You know, you, you turn X-Force loose now because, oh, well, they've done this covert action against us. Therefore, now we have the moral just justification, quote unquote, to go into the world more with X-Force and actually start doing damage to those who mean us harm. Yeah, I, I'm thinking the latter. I think you're right on. I, I, to me, it seems like there's probably Professor X backed his mind up moments before we see him what here and that it, he's got Emma or Gene or somebody set to telepathically drop him back in the body the second this happened. The whole thing, like, it's cool. This issue is cool because it's high action from, like, start to finish. And, you, you know, we get to see 
like it's sort of a wharf thing you know they spend the whole time setting up like how good and how cool like tom cassidy is at this this natural security system and these people like you know bypass it with whatever these tactics are and so it's kind of like okay you had to tell us they were awesome in order to show us that these people are badasses but at the same time it yeah i know they know they're doing it you know because it's so shortly after the reveal of like resurrection but to end an issue on like a death that's supposed to somehow be dramatic it's like how am i supposed to take this now hickman i guess recently put something out in regards to that um it's not supposed to be about the drama. It's supposed to be more of a plot device. But it ends, yeah. With that. But it ends on the like the cliffhanger of a, a main character getting shot. Like it, it just that feels like it's meant as part of the you know the drama. Like this, there's this like gas that everyone's like, no, say it's not so, and it's like, who cares? Yeah, it's one of those things where as an issue cliffhanger, it feels. Yeah, I I 100 get what you're saying. I 100 agree. I think maybe next, I think maybe they're trying to get this out of the way. And I think we might have a bigger body count literally than we've ever had, but a smaller amount of like, yes, I I think it's interesting because X-Force so far seemed like an issue that didn't quite set up for like, I don't, a lot of these other issues, I know what this book is going to be from the first issue. I don't necessarily that I know that I know yeah. that yet of X Force because we we know yeah. who's on the cover, but if you didn't have a cover, would you really know who was on this team? No. Yeah, and I mean they've got Colossus on there. He doesn't seem. I mean, outside of B, I feel like Beast, Gene, and Wolverine are pretty safe bets. But other than that, I don't I don't know now, what direction. Hickman goes. said the point isn't to give the X Men a get out of jail free card from death. The idea is to force himself and the other X-Men writers to find other storytelling avenues that don't involve killing off characters. Um, his quote is, We made it so that if you told a story where someone died, it's a plot device and not an emotional hammering of the reader. You can't play it as, oh my god, this is awful and terrible, you had to be more creative than that. I've challenged all of the X-Writers to, if you have a story where a character has to die, that's fine. But what's the other story? What's the more interesting story? End quote. I can I can appreciate that. That you can, it doesn't have to be th- that, you know, the emotion of the situation. It's just what does it mean? Yeah. I mean, shock and awe, which we totally yeah, got is, at the end of like this said, issue. I don't know what X-Force <laughs> is yet. So I think there is still the possibility that this is, it's kind of set up as a like distracting of like, if you're focusing on this, this is the wrong thing. You know what I mean? I hope that's what it is. It's the idea yeah. is, as a reader, you're like, oh, like, why do I care that he died? And it's like, maybe that's part of something bigger. Like, that these people going in know that it's resurrection, but, like, you know, if we can remove Xavier for even just a couple of minutes, it makes it possible for them to execute some plan. Or maybe the bad guys lose, but in forcing this resurrection you know, they had a contingency plan of some, like that they're going to reboot an Xavier that has a flaw or something. And like, they know that, which that, that could be interesting and fun. And that would, it would kind of, this would kind of be the red herring, like that. It's, it's trying to look like it's this emotion, but really it's not. Also that telepath that maybe has his memory downloaded to bring him back. I wonder if it's a Quentin choir. 
Yeah, because he's not even in, in the issue anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely a part of this series, though, going forward. Um, I thought the bad guys were cool. Uh, we don't know them. It'd be cool to see a little bit more about them. So I think there's potential. Um, I just don't want to see more like character deaths as the last panel of the comic right. from X Force. I, I want to ask. I don't this. think that'll be so. It though. looks. It looks like we kind of know what X Force does, sort of from that memo about you know their unofficial response to non-allied countries. Does the if assuming the team is the the cover art team for the first issue. Does that do any of the people on that team bother you with that a little bit? Like, because X Force has always sort of been the, like, you know, we'll we'll do the dirty work of the X Men, so the X Men don't have to. Oh, well, like they changed it to be more of a Tom Clancy story. Like they've been very forward with that. That they're still going to have that lethal strike team feeling, but they're also going to go into the CIA logistics. Well, it, I think they're they're now too. sanctioned. X Force. I mean, they they are sanctioned by Professor X now. You know, as opposed to being, they're they're not quote unquote on the books. But previously, X Force sure. has been something that Xavier has not been okay with. No, but Cyclops. Is I, okay I don't with think yeah. Xavier's like Xavier's fine because everybody knows Xavier is one eighty shifted because of Moira's influence. I think what Dane might be getting at more is Beast and Colossus. I would assume Beast, Colossus, Gene. Like, there's a lot of characters on this team that I would not see fitting in with what I know X Force to be. And yeah, I'm, obviously, I, I think I agree. Right. Also, now one we go back to we don't know what kind of alterations Xavier made to his students i uh, agree with that 100 because i don't think beast would be in krakoa like i I don't think beast and gene and people who bought in the xavier's initial dream would be down with what he's but the other thing is how much has xavier how how much do his students know i guess probably little because moira is not known to them as being a mutant I don't think they know Moira's alive. Yeah, my 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 question is, how much do his students know about his failures, about the failure of the dream? Because if they don't know, then okay, has he changed his mind about the dream and then told them, or has he been working? No, I don't. Toward- I think they a hundred percent know the dream failed because, like, history has seen like X Men all the way through House of X, like for the last 60 years, it still happened. So, but they don't know, they don't know that it, ne- like the idea, that they don't know that Xavier works. knows that it never works, that there's been multiple yeah. lifetimes. Well, they don't know the, the whole Moira angle of knowing the future. Right. Because that's, that's but the they whole, know he gave up but, on the dream it, though, and they were on board with far giving up being, on the dream. Yeah, being okay with it, maybe their minds change too, or the other part is they now have a nation, Xavier sanctions this team, and they think, well, okay, now this team is legit. It's okay. They're not really operating black book style, but they are. You mean in the context of this is Krakoa's CIA? Yes, that that they're only doing it that, that with the sanctioning of a council, things like that. People are going to make the right decision on when to use this. It's not like you're going off with vigilante yeah. murder. Justice. I mean, we, we haven't seen what they do. Like it is kind of kill no it, man. It's, true. it's kind of interesting that a team that normally is like the go out and take care of problems team 
their first problem starts immediately in home. You know what I mean? Like X-Force yes. is always a team that it's been like, all right, go out and take care of this. And it's like, this issue is very much, here's how our base is set up. And oh my God, somebody screwed that up. Like immediately. <laughs> the dream is dead again. Right. <laughs> um, all right. I think X-Force has a lot of potential here. We could talk about it a lot more um, until we see like a little bit more of like where Beast and Gene's heads actually at and get in their headspace. I think those questions are just going to have to wait. Um, moving on, New Mutants, fun Firefly-esque, you know, team up, like family adventure. I think there's an argument that New Mutants might steal from Marauders the most X-Men feeling team. Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's a better issue, yep. but I don't think there's been a more X-Men feeling book or team the New Mutants. I, I don't know. Oh, go ahead. I still think Marauders feels really X-Men-like. I still think the back and forth is is better so far. Um, the established leadership role is better with, with Kate. And the, the adventure being a little more Earth-grounded. I mean, I know the X-Men go into space a lot. A just, ton. You know, they just jumped into it real fast. Yeah. I mean, now, I will say that. Uh, well, actually, Dane, give your opinion because because I, I have a, a thought on New Mutants that I think they bring something interesting into play that is going to get addressed in later issues of not just this but all of the comics. So, my very first bullet point note that I wrote on the New Mutants is that if the X Men weren't still around, like if these characters either died off. Or just we stopped caring about them. They stopped getting issues. The New Mutants would be the X-Men. Like they are a classic X-Men team in every sense. You know, they're built in the relationships that they've grown, the bond between them. Like if if you just removed the classic X-Men, the New Mutants would be your next team up sort of thing. You well, know don't, what I mean? Don't they kind of make that point in the comic? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, characters they kind of say that they're like, oh, the same, you know. Like they, dude, I like that. Even their telepath was worthless. It was like classic Jean Grey. Like, oh, I probably could beat him, but they got helmets on. So. I know. <laughs> like they. You, that's exactly what I mean. Is it Marauders is X Men with a twist? And don't get me wrong, a, a kick ass twist that I love, and I'm I'm super excited for Marauders. But New Mutants feels like the X Men in a lot of ways. That like this issue, it looked like that team coming back together, you know, friends reuniting, but also like, all right, this is what we've got to do. Like, this is our obligation to the mutant community and we got to go get our friend and, you know, reunite as a team. And that means we got to go through a space adventure and, and betrayal. And, you know, it's just the, you know, the relationships between them feel so tight and real. And that is a lot of what the X-Men is. Cause I mean, X-Men are like the team comic, right? Like, Fantastic Four is the family comic. You've got, you know, the standalone individuals like, you know, Spider-Man cycling through friends and stuff. But X-Men, they're the team. And that the New Mutants feel like that to an absolute T. Well, and pulling the New Mutants out of Krakoa, for better or worse, I think makes them feel more X-Men in the sense that it's not this new direction. Like, we just talked about how I don't know what's going on in Beast Gene's head. I can't relate to them. I don't, they're not acting in the way that I would expect them to, which, you know, whatever, take your interpretation how you will. But like the new mutants are doing exactly what I would expect them to do in this situation. Go get your friend. That's a pretty yeah. easy start. Yeah. Go into space. Yeah. Go get your friend. 
Yeah, it's, it, it, I think it's a good good setup for future comics and and the adventures that they'll go on. Is the fact that it's not some galactic shattering event happening to them suddenly. No, it's it's simple of, yep, we are uh, we're just gonna go get our pal. Yeah, he's in a different you know solar system, but we're gonna go get him. And then we're gonna hire the best lawyer. That space money That's can buy. Based lawyer that they have. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Anybody know if Hickman's gonna stay on for the next uh, issue? I have no idea. I assumed that he would, but I guess I'm just kind of assuming that. Yeah, I figured he would, but I yeah, I could be wrong. I know he's doing the first issue, but I'm not sure if he's actually doing number two. Let's see here. I've got it pulled up here. Yeah, he's he's sticking on for a little bit, which I think they're exploring a lot of like the Krakoa plant things and, and that might come in. I also we know there's a, a plant on the Shi'ar like a ship. We know the Shi'ar going to play into this. We know the Shi'ar played a big part in the X-Men um, House of X, Dawn of X, X2 timeline where a bunch of the mutants went to Shi'ar space. I wonder if that will play into this somehow. Now, obviously this is a different timeline, but you know, certain things might repeat themselves. And I wonder if we're seeing the beginning of that relationship where mutants start to leave Krakoa and go there. I wonder if that's a factor. It's either that, or even if it's not, I think Hickman has made the conscious decision that Shi'ar is going to be, this is going to be an era where they are an important part of the, of the story. Like Corsair is kind of an involved character. We're seeing him in multiple issues. I, I mean, I I've got the bold prediction. There's been a preview image that uh, Sunspot's going to end up ruling the Shi'ar. I, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see this like alternate. If you don't like what's going on in Kakoa, go here kind of thing. Potentially. Yeah. That's, that's my bold call. <laughs> That will come from this. what you're making another claim that there's a splinter faction group that like Krakoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not. That, I'm enjoying reading Krakoa, but I am not down with Krakoa. I know what you not not the yeah, island. I know not the. I, so I don't have a problem with the island. I'm not down with the the leadership philosophy. I'm not well, talking I, about the fake, you know, front that they put on where there's a leadership council. I'm talking about the real people who called the shot. Not not even not even the leadership. And things like that, which are odd to people. What about the island itself? There's something going on with that. Yeah, like we're getting uh, we're getting that explored with Cipher. Well, Excalibur. Uh, they, they're trying to put a gate into Avalon, and it's growing this weed into Avalon. Uh, the the Star Jammer stuff, where they're talking about, well, you know. Your it's killing other and the gate you've got here, they're talking to each other. Something's going on here, and it's killing things around it and doing things. So, what is the effect of these gates and the plants that they're bringing, and the, the, the touch of Krakoa on other spaces? What is that doing? Well, clearly, there's nothing sinister going on. Apocalypse is in charge of the gates, so yeah, you know that's but, a good hand. But it is one of those things that 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 is slowly progressing through multiple comics in small ways that they're just kind of hinting at. It's like, okay, it's doing this here. It's doing that there. And everyone's kind of like, Oh yeah, no problem. I'm going to push aside. But I think it is something that's going to start. Well, will will eventually play a larger role. Do you, do you think 
that this is something that's part of a more sinister Xavier plan? Or do you think this is something that even he hasn't accounted for? And it's like when you bring in, I think it's something he hasn't accounted okay. It's like, if you bring in a mutant, like plant Island, sentient plant Island, that's kind of a X factor. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you, there's a lot of potential ways they could take the story. Um, any last thoughts on New Mutants or X Force and and where they're going next next month? They were really different, but both I really enjoyed. Like honestly, if you had told me at the very beginning to rank the six Dawn of X books that like by interest level, I think New Mutants might have been, if not my bottom, close to it. But it's it's really high up there now. I'm really looking forward to this. It's fun. Yeah. It's, if it, I go it, with it, the first five that we've had, number two for me is New Mutants, number one Marauders. I would. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Kelsey. I think I'd agree. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Because I wasn't, I wasn't all that excited for Marauders either. Honestly, when it started, I was like, oh, Marauders are gonna just take that and you know put Kitty Pride in it. Great, awesome. And then I read it and I thought, okay, this is great. And then I read New Mutants. I'm like, this is, you know, it, this is a fun direction they're taking things. So. Yeah, and every every comic he's done so far has felt really purposeful and different from the other one. So I'll give him credit there. Like, you're getting a different experience with each book. Yeah. And I think moving forward with the podcast, it's going to be interesting to see, like, do we cover every X book or do we cover our X books? Because I, I think it's okay to not dig everyone and to have your X books and, and books that aren't for you. Yeah, I absolutely. I think that's the whole point in a lot of ways of Dawn of X is you can read some of them and not all of them. I hope, you know, may- maybe X-Men, I don't know, is the, like the one that you need to read to get the whole of the story moving forward. But I think you can find something that you like, you know, you want the fantasy and magic, the sword and sorcery Excalibur's where you go. You want a team of like young X-Men, you know, new mutants is the, the place. So. Well, Excalibur is not the only place you're going to get fantasy. In fact, we're going to get some fantasy in the danger room. This week, we're going to start something new. We're not going to play 20 questions. Instead, we're going to have our first ever X-Men fantasy draft for the Dawn of X season. We've completed the preseason. We've read all the number ones except for Fallen Angels, which will be a little bit of our wild card. But we're going to draft. (laughs) We're going to do a draft. Does anybody want to kind of let the readers know what we're thinking? So I think... Dane, you draft things. Thank you. do, Do you mean like football or like legal documents? Both. So I think the idea we've come up is we've sort of developed a point system and we're going to do a few, like four rounds where we're each going to take turns picking X-Men. And as the weeks go by, we're going to keep track of how many points they earn based off of this semi-arbitrary system we've developed. (laughs) Um, And so at the end of Dawn of X, we haven't exactly decided when we'll call it. Probably I would guess like, I don't know, maybe like six issues into everything, but we'll figure that out later. Um, we're just going to keep track of the points, and at the end, we'll see whose team came up with the most points by the end. So, do you want to? Do you want me to go over what 
what we're scoring in each of these? Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and let people know the, the categories and what point value they okay. have. So you get one point in any issue just for being in it, your character being in an issue. You get one point if they use their powers. You get one point if they use their power in a cool, unique, or stylistic way. One point given for the sick, nasty one-liners delivered to the camera. One point for a scene of romance or romantic um, happening. One point if your character dies means a little less now, but you know that's why it's a one-pointer on Krakoa. Should be a half-pointer. Right. I mean, let's be honest. If your character kills a named character, you get two points out of the deal. And any major comic shakeup, something that you know changes the foundation of the team or comics or X-Men, can earn you three points. That one's a little arbitrary, but we think we can play nice and uh, agree as to when something counts. But so that's our point total. Yeah. Uh, you can score each one up to one time in a comic per character. And uh, we'll total them up at the end and see who wins. Um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to play along with us, you can draft your own group of four. That's our, our um, team roster size that we're capping question. it at. Quick what was question. that, Kelsey? Yeah. Who's on the table for this? I think anybody. Anyone. anyone. Okay. Blow our minds. Pick something out of the left field that's going to win you. All right. So we're going to do a snake style draft here, starting with Kelsey moving his way through Dane, and then I'll get the first uh, anchor spot. So Kelsey, who's who's first on the board? Krakoa. Krakoa. Oh, Ooh, go big or go home. That's a pick, man. I like that. Heavy is the hand. Do you want to, you want to explain <laughs> that at all? Well, I mean, from a point value or from like just picking Just them. anything. What's the analysis? I'll, I'll tell you this from a, a fantasy draft analysis. Krakoa, not even on my draft board. Maybe I don't have the scouts that your team has. Why? Because my thought is, appears in almost every episode, what defines a power you know, any use of the gates? I think anything that's not just remote, island, like basic island. All, no, all no, out. No, scenery, no scenery counting. Right, right. But when they mention Krakoa. That's pretty good. I, mean, I would I would not have thought of that as a character to use. You may, you may have. I would say. Go ahead. I was, I would say Marauders is the only one I was like, maybe you don't give a point and that one. But even then they use the yeah. portals. So, yeah. I don't know. Good, good pick. I good strong pick. The goo gun, the goo gun in the X Men uh, one. That's, that's a, a use of power. Also, if you reunite with your brother island, do you get a point for romance? Uh, no, we specifically said romance, not family reunion. Okay. Yeah. And also, if Cipher has to translate it, does Cipher get the sick nasty one liner point, or yeah, does... that's his power? I think Kelsey could wind up drafting Cipher as a handcuff to Krakoa to score double points in a lot of issues. Dude, he's gonna he's gonna go deep in that cipher Kako. What if they don't show up? When That's issue? like drafting the same you know quarterback <laughs> uh, and wide well, receiver. They, they, Cipher's shown <laughs> up in about three of the issues so far, I think at least. You're right. You're right. right. So I hadn't thought of that, but so I think I'm probably going a more traditional route with mine. But my number one overall draft pick is I'm going to take gold balls. It's egg. Thank you very much. But yes, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm gonna take Kate Pride, leader <laughs> of the Marauders. I think. I think she's definitely going to score big points in Marauders comics, obviously. I think she has the possibility to overlap into a couple of different uh, storylines or issues. I think she's going to come up a lot, and I think she's 
primed for some some big stories. All right, my uh, my next picks. I, I'm gonna go with some real traditional uh, staples, but it doesn't get bigger than Wolverine and Magneto. Okay, so I'm gonna take the two biggest names off the board. And uh, let's let's get it back to you, Dan. Well, I, I want to say I think Wolverine's a great pick because I think he maybe more than any X Men has the possibility of just showing up in every single book. Every, every. He's the only character with his own issue coming. Like out. he's going to be in so much stuff. And Magneto, though, I think is an interesting choice because he's not on a core team anywhere, but he has the potential to be. I think a big. I think he's he's a council member. I think he also. Uh, has dropped some of the sickest one-liners so far. So I'm hoping I'm hoping his speech gets to We are well, the new guys. Too, I, I think he will show up more as the story progresses, as the game gets bigger. All right. So my next one, I may be going too specific here. Like I may be focusing in on somebody that's only going to be prevalent in one one comic, but I don't care because it's somebody that I really love. And I'm again, no, 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 not Nightcrawler. I don't think he should show up and stuff at all. I think she um, is going to be a big feature piece moving forward from what we've seen in the issue. And I'm going to take new captain Britain, Betsy Braddock. I think that's smart. I think, I think that this big change into her being captain Britain, I think you're right. I think it's going to feature her more prominently in multiple issues. I hope so. I mean, I'm I'm definitely, obviously I'm going to score big in that, Excalibur week, but I'm hoping, you know, maybe if she's a, that big of a feature, there can be a little bit of bleed over. Yeah. Now, Kelsey, I think you're in a real position here. You got yeah, two picks. Pick, right? You're going to have one Storm at the end of this. Do you, are you taking Cypher? Storm and Cypher. Storm and Cypher. Cypher. I love it. Ooh. I love you going all in on this. Oh, yeah. I've taken emotion out of this, by the way. <laughs> it's just all about <laughs> winning. I, I, I'm just looking for my fantasy points, okay? Storm is awesome. Storm's been two I, issues. I, I'm a Bears fan, and and this is basically the equivalent of me drafting Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. got to win. I think Storm is potentially – has a lot of the same potential as like a Wolverine, but Kelsey's getting her yeah. two rounds later. You know, Even if she doesn't give you a lot of points in every issue, she can give you big points – or she can give you a, you know, a lot of little points spread out over multiple yeah. issues. Okay, can I can I say this yeah. though? I know she had her big speech, but we all agreed it wasn't really moving. So no sick oh, nasty no, one liners in House of X. No. I expect her to throw a few lightning bolts and just show up. <laughs> if she's there, she's probably going to throw a bolt, and that's two points or fly or something. I'm like, so oh. every time, every time the Marauders get somewhere on time. Is it because she put the wind no, in their favor? No, no, I'm not counting that. <laughs> Every time a boat arrives on time. Every time somebody doesn't comment on the fact that it was late. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to decide. I'm, I, I have two people in mind, and I want both of them, and I'm trying to think of which one Q has a higher likelihood of taking from me. Colossus. He's taking Colossus. All right. I know I'm going to take based off an issue that we read today and what I think could happen in the future, just because how much they were prominently featured again, maybe, maybe not focusing on the spread comic thing enough, but I'm going to take sunspot. Okay. Ooh, I, okay. I think you're playing the long, time. I am. I think he, I think he was shown in a lot of ways that he is the, he's the, the, 
new mutant that's going to stand out or that's going to be there's going to be game changer points that's going to be different you know than the rest and i think that gives the the potential for the most um you know happenings going on in the comics so i'm going to take sunspot all right eighth pick sunspot um i actually did not have them on my radar i've got a few other people on my radar uh with the ninth pick i'm going to grab emma frost i like that pick she's already made some moves um Going to show up in Giant Size X-Men. I think she's got a lot of potential on the board. Oh, my final pick, guys. I've kind of got the most mainstream team out of all of us. You have what? Wolverine, Magneto, and Emma. Magneto and Emma yeah, Frost. Yeah. I don't think it gets much more core than that. And do I do I lean into that? Do I lean in the most like just generic team possible? You've got some options. You've got two big people that I have sitting high on my board right now. That you could lean in very generic on. I feel like Dane, you actually do have like a dry erase board. I don't have a board, but I I have a Google Doc that I did. I ranked some people. Ugh. You know, um, I'm a man about the costumes, and one person finally stepped up to the plate. I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep the telepass going. I hate Professor X, so I'm going Jean Grey. Yeah, there you go. All right, up there. Okay. Oh, there's somebody that I really want, but I think it's a stretch. <laughs> I think it's a stretch, and I don't think it. But you know, it'd be a, a real no risk it, no biscuit. But I've, I think I've got a lot of risky ones here. So I am going to play this. Scoot, what? What are you doing? What, what do you got here? Where do you think I was going with? Scoot, you're absolutely right. I'm going to go with Scott Summers. I think the fact that he's still on the board here in the fourth round is a travesty. When yeah, when a gem like this falls the way to you, to think that you, know, I took Suns. He's going to consistently be an X Men. Like I, I doubt we'll get an issue that he's not in a core X Men. Right. But I, I think, I think he's got a heavy feature in those. But I don't think you're going to get a lot of legs out of him outside of that. Yeah, but I think I think he has the potential because he is such a core character, and I think I need a little bit of consistency. I've taken a risk with Sunspot in the third round. I, it could be that Betsy doesn't bleed over at all. So I think I want to take a core. I'm going to take a page from your book with your classic X-Men and take Cyclops. All right, Kelsey, final 12th pick. Professor X. Okay. It had to be, right? I'd take the dead guy who, no, I mean, either A, not dead. Like you better... You better hope he's not dead so he can die and you can get that point moving forward. Bet or more comics with him in flashbacks. <laughs> Actually, now that's what I'm expecting is that the opening scene of like X-Force mm-hmm. 2 will him be being like, I'm not dead yet. And then he closes his eyes and Kelsey's like, rack up that point, baby. <laughs> that's a twofer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you get that sick, nasty one-liner. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, uh, these are going to start, which we didn't take advantage of fallen angels. Um, that's so I, you know, Oh, good. What, what if we, what if we, I I know it'd be an extra, but there's three main characters to fallen angels, Psylocke, uh, kid cable and X 23. Do, do we want to just assign ourselves one of them just to keep it interesting? Have kid cable. And for the only reason of him wanting to trade a gun. Mommy, can I trade this guy? Oh my gosh. 
Okay, well, I'll take Kid Cable if you if you're please, that please. hard against it. You was I'll do it. Cable, Archangel and Psylocke. No, it's X twenty three Psylocke and Kid Cable. Oh, Archangel's if, not in there. God, I was gonna say it's like Archangel and and Assassin Psylocke. There's hookup central. So if um well, but that's that's Betsy. That's a different that's, mind. No, that's, that's same body. I mean, Angel's already hit that kind of. So maybe. I don't know what his actual attraction is. If it, you know, if it was the, maybe angels in love with one, but archangels in love with the other one. Who knows? Who knows? That's a real phantom X situation there. You want to divvy them up, Kelsey? You want? I'll, I'll, no, I'll let you. Have your I don't want up. any of them. I don't want any of them. What? No, I'm gonna. I'm not leaving points on the board. X twenty three. Okay. That's, All right. So, I, so a couple of things here. Number one, <laughs> I think you giving up. Kid Cable was nuts based off of your draft strategy because he's going to be a that and an X Men. I think you were going to. Well, I think I think he's a practical point scorer. And I want you to know, I let her fall to me because when I told you I was debating going between old reliable and taking who I thought would be fun, it was it was Quanon as Psylocke. So I got well, I got her as well. But why I think your your Psylocke is good is because I think they're going to come to a head between. Both the Psylocks, and they're going to be featuring prominently with one. Oh, that's going to be a good issue for me. Oh, what if they kill each other? They stab each other <laughs> oh at the same time. That's, that's two kills and two deaths, baby. And I would say oh, that may boy. be a major shakeup, dude. That might be exponential too, because technically they're killing each other's bodies, so you might get du- double kill points on each kill. Rack them up. <laughs> no, I honestly. I'm. I, I have a fear that having Cipher and Krakoa alone will will nickel and dime you guys to death. <laughs> I think you might. You may be right because you would have scored some points today. Yeah, boy. All right. Well, we've got. Hey, the board is set. We have our fantasy draft prep next week. Is Fallen Angels and maybe X Men number one. I'm not sure. We'll we'll ha- we'll get back to you on that. Um, that's about all the time we got for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday with Fallen Angels. See ya. Later. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N dot blogspot dot com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.